the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. City WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. If all things are going to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, does that mean that everybody is eventually going to be saved? That is a teaching known as universalism. That everyone in the universe is going to be saved. That eventually it's all going to work out and everyone's going to be saved. That's a heretical teaching. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible very clearly says that most people are not going to be saved. And when I say saved, I mean saved from the penalty of sin, which is hell. Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many are on that path. In Matthew chapter 25 Jesus spoke specifically about hell. Very sad few verses. Matthew 25, verse 41. Then he will say also to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Verse 46. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Pastor Steve talked about reconciliation, and we started to understand what that means. Today on our program, we will dive deeper into the concept of reconciliation, and hopefully we will better understand the scope of reconciliation. Several things that will be part of our discussion today will be the need to have God become human and still retain divinity. There's also the aspect of the reconciliation Paul is writing about in Colossians chapter 1 that goes beyond the provision of our salvation. Now, I don't want to say any more than that. I'd rather let Pastor Steve explain it to us. After today's program, I'll give you a link so you can sign up for the Verse by Verse podcast. Right now, though, it's time for Pastor Steve and today's Verse by Verse program. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, it was a death that was a substitute for us. And you should know that. Maybe that's new to many of you. Maybe that's never really sunk in. It was a substitution for you. God's wrath against sin was poured out on Christ so that God's holiness was satisfied and the barrier of sin was then removed. It was removed. And that's why only Jesus Christ could be the reconciler because as God, he could make a complete and perfect sacrifice. But God can die without becoming man. As man, he could die. As God, he can make a perfect sacrifice. As the God-man, he has provided reconciliation. Now, because the barrier is removed, you can be reconciled to God. That doesn't mean because of the fact that it was removed that you are reconciled. You must appropriate it. It was provided for you. The provision is there. 
Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll look at this a little bit later, but we'll be referring to the 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, but that doesn't mean the world is reconciled, does it? We're going to look at that in a moment. It simply means the provision was there. The barrier is down. It's provided. But you have to appropriate it. And how do you appropriate it? You appropriate it by faith. By faith. You trust his reconciliation for you. Now, what Paul is really teaching is that angels can't get you to God. Only Christ can. The God-man. He can bring God and man together, and he has done this by shedding his blood on the cross. Now, I don't think anybody here really believes in the 20th century that Angels are going to get us close to God. But there are people who believe that good works will, people who believe that baptism will, people who believe that church membership will, that giving will, all of these things, that doing things will get you close to God. It is only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And we must never deviate from that truth. Never, because that's the foundation. And whether you've heard it time and again, you need to be reminded of that. Reconciliation has been provided through Christ. So he paid the price of your rebellion and that reconciliation is possible for anyone, but reconciliation goes beyond us, and I want you to see that. The provision has been made. That's truth number one. Truth number two is the participants of reconciliation. This is fascinating. Notice verse 20 again. It says, And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Notice the word all things. Paul says he's reconciled all things, and then he clarifies this. He defines the all things by saying things on earth and things in heaven. In other words, everything in God's universe is going to be reconciled to him. Now that ought to have a question jump out in your minds. And the question ought to be something like this. If all things are going to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, does that mean that everybody is eventually going to be saved? That is a teaching known as universalism, that everyone in the universe is going to be saved, that eventually it's all going to work out and everyone's going to be saved. That's a heretical teaching. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible very clearly says that most people are not going to be saved. And when I say saved, I mean saved from the penalty of sin, which is hell. Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many are on that path. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus spoke specifically about hell. Very sad few verses. Matthew 25, verse 41. Then he will say also to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Verse 46. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. In Revelation chapter 20, we're told about the eternal hell and the eternal lake of fire. And it speaks of people being sent to hell. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 18 and 19, Paul speaks about whose end is destruction. Not annihilation, but ongoing ruin, eternal ruin. So as we compare Scripture with Scripture... We know that Paul cannot mean that every individual is going to be saved when he says that he's reconciled all things to himself. So what does he mean by that? How are all things on earth and things in heaven going to be reconciled? Let's think for a moment. Back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, after God created the heavens and the earth, the Bible says that God saw all that he had done, and behold, he said it was very good. The physical earth, 
man included, God looked at and said, it's very good. God was satisfied. God not only said it was good, God said it was very good. Physical creation was at that point in complete harmony with its creator. And there was complete harmony between creature and creature, and creature and physical creation. Nature was in harmony with itself. Nature was in harmony with God. Creation functioned as God intended it to function. But when man sins, all of that changed. Not only did man fall, but the Bible says that physical creation, and that would also mean the animal world, all of it involuntarily was cursed by God. It's now a cursed world. Man sinned and then sin entered the world and it has plunged creation into being cursed. Therefore, the earth we live on, as I said, through no fault of its own, is a cursed, fallen world out of harmony with its creator. It's, It's out of sync. You may go to parts of this planet and think how beautiful, but it is a planet out of sync with God. It is a cursed world. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. Paul says in Romans 8 that the creation groans. That's not simply poetic language. That's reality. Romans chapter 8, verse 18, Paul said, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's to be revealed to us. So Paul is saying, hey, there's a great future for us. But then he expands it. He says, For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. The whole creation is saying, yes, come, Lord Jesus. Come and fully redeem them in their bodies so we could stop groaning. Notice he goes on to say, verse 20, For the creation was subjected to futility, and not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth until now. What he's saying is that this whole created world is fallen. It's cursed. But when Jesus Christ returns, he will remove the curse as he sets up his kingdom and he will begin to restore the earth so that there's harmony as it's brought back into a right relationship with its creator. That's why, be careful when Christmas time rolls around and you're singing Isaac Watts' great hymn, Joy to the World. That is not about the first coming of Christ, though it's a great song. It's about the second coming of Christ. And let heaven and nature sing. Heaven and nature sing. And they said, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He will lift the curse when he comes. Not the first time, but the second time, as he now comes to reign and to rule and to restore this world back into harmony the way it was intended to be. That's reconciliation. That's what we're talking about. In other words, God will make friends with the world again. Creation will be subdued to now willingly submit to God's purpose. That means very practically that the oceans will lose their hostility. That means very practically that animals will lose their hostility. You can jog in the neighborhood without fear. That's what it means to me. Isaiah chapter 11. Look at this. This is part of the kingdom age, and this is what we await. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6. And the wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will graze, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and the nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra. 
and the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's a coming physical kingdom. That's speaking about creation being reconciled. Now, you may say, I understand how that works. I understand that the physical creation, this world, the world of thorns and decay and everything is breaking down, that someday that will be reconciled when Christ returns. But Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, he said that things, notice verse 20, he said, whether things on earth or things in heaven. How will things in heaven be reconciled? How can the heavens be reconciled to God? And I take it here, he's not talking about the third heaven where God dwells, but the earth's atmosphere and the starry skies. After the 1,000-year reign of Christ, which is the millennial kingdom, which is what we just read about, the lion and the lamb will lie down together. Christ reigns out of Jerusalem on this earth. After that takes place, God is going to destroy, the scripture says, the present earth and heavens above us. Second Peter speaks about that. He will destroy it as we move into what theologians call the eternal state. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. He says in verse 12, Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, on account of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for a new heavens and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. Revelation 21 verse 1 says the same thing, new heavens and new earth. Now, we have to admit that the Bible has not given us a whole lot of detail about this. The Bible doesn't go into explanation, but I think the very best way we can understand this is that even the heavens have been polluted by sin. Because that's where Satan resides. Ephesians 2, 2 says he is the prince of the power of this air the world above us, and therefore the heavens have been defiled. Job 15.15 says the heavens are not pure in his sight in some way because of demonic activity in the heavens and because Satan resides there. The Bible says that it's been defiled. So Christ's death will reconcile not only sinful man, creation, but also the heavens. And that's got to be purified So his death doesn't simply deal with us. It reconciles all of creation. Now, why did Paul explain about the physical world being reconciled? As I said before, because that's where the false teachers at Colossae were corrupted, corrupting these people. They said God's not the creator. He's not interested in creating the material world. It was sinful. He's not going to reconcile it. And Paul says, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. Not only will he reconcile sinners, but he will reconcile this fallen World, And you should know that, and you should long for that, and you should have that intensity, the fact that someday a better world is coming. So he speaks of, first of all, the provision for reconciliation through Christ's death, the participants, sinners, and all of creation. Now it gets very practical. What is the purpose? What is the purpose of reconciliation? This morning, I know that you must be sitting there saying, he spoke last week about teachers boring people, and that's what he's doing. It's just theology. This doesn't affect me. My mind's being stretched, but I don't have a clue as to what the... How is this relevant for me? You might say, just enough of this. Tell me where I fit in to reconciliation. You fit in in verses 21 and 22. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds... Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. 
Paul is saying, if you want to know what reconciliation will be like in creation in the future, just look at yourself. Now, let's delve into this. Just like the Colossians, prior to your conversion to Christ, prior to coming to know him as Savior and Lord, you were estranged from God. What does that mean? You were alienated. Do you know that? You were alienated from God. You were detached from him. You couldn't connect with him. I remember in my own life experiencing that and being aware of that and thinking that I'm here and God is way beyond and I didn't know how to connect with him. I was very conscious until I was 18 years old and trusted the Savior, very conscious of the fact that God and I had no relationship apart from the fact that I mentally believed that he existed. I knew that I was separated from God. I didn't know why I was separated, but I knew I was separated But after I came to Christ, I understood why I was separated. Scripture says that your sins have separated you. You were estranged from God. That was your condition. That was everyone's condition. Ephesians chapter 2. You want to know what you were and this is why you need reconciliation? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. This is the doctrine of man. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You were away from God. You had no way of getting close to God. You may have tried to be very religious. You may have given up. You might have said, look, it's useless. But you were away from God. You were alienated from God. Secondly, Paul says, we weren't only in the state of alienation, but notice verse 21, where he says, you were, and this is so important, you were hostile in mind. You were hostile in your mind. Well, what does that mean? In your heart, you hated God. Now listen to me. I've heard people testify. I've heard believers testify before others, and they start off saying something like this. I guess I've always loved God. The Bible says, You never loved God before you came to Christ. I've always loved God and wanted to know him. You hated God. You may have loved a God that you created in your mind. Maybe a God that gave you the warm fuzzies. But you did not love the God of the Bible. You were hostile in mind towards him. That means your attitude was one that you despised God. So how can you say that? Because he goes on to say that in verse 21, you were engaged in evil deeds. The evidence that you were hostile towards God, you were at enmity with him, which is what Paul says in Romans 8, 7, is that your thought life was sinful and that's where it began and then it led to wicked deeds. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 explains this to us. People don't like to hear this. They like to think that they are better than this, but this is what we are. Apart from Christ, this is the doctrine of man. Romans chapter 1, verse 18, and it answers the question, are all men lost without Christ? Absolutely. Well, what if they've never heard of Jesus Christ? Yeah, but they've heard of some truth, whether it be in creation or in conscience, and they've rejected it. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Whatever truth in years past they've had about God, they suppressed it. That's where it begins. They suppress it. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. They knew about God, 
But he says, for even though they knew God, in verse 21, it means they knew about him. They did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile watch in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. They hated God. It started in the mind. Their foolish heart was darkened because they began to become philosophers rather than those who accepted the revealed truth from God. Verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures it led to idolatry and verse 24 says therefore god gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity that their bodies may be dishonored among them what he's saying is hostility begins in the minds it leads to stupid speculation god eventually says that i'm going to let you do whatever you want to do and what we do is the demonstration by our wicked deeds that we are hostile towards God. Because if you were not hostile towards God, you would have submitted to him. So all of us are born into this world engaged in hostility of mind. All. There is no such thing as the innocent native. There is no such thing as the innocent child. We're the worst. There is no such thing as innocence. That's the way it was for the Colossians. That's the way it was for us. And you need to understand that. You didn't love God. You hated God. That's why you needed reconciliation. You were at war with God. You may have deceived yourself into thinking that you love God, but you didn't love God. No one has loved God until God does a work in your heart and brings you to salvation. We were aloof from God. We hated him. We sinned against him. And if God left things go that way, then we would all die and go to hell. And you know what? We would hate God in hell. Nothing would be changed. But... Something did change it because God intervened. Verse 22 says, Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. By Christ's death, our sins were dealt with. God intervened. And the barrier of sin that separated us, that made us aloof from him, has been removed so that now you can be at one with him. Now you can have a relationship with him. You have returned to him. You have returned to him not in the sense that you were once believers and now you've come back to him. No, in the sense that you have returned to the state that God originally created man to have. In fact, even better. God created man to be in harmony with him and now we've returned to that. He's reconciled us. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 says you are new creatures in Christ. He's made it even better. Now, why did all this happen? He says in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. That's the purpose of reconciliation. The purpose is that someday at the return of Christ, you will be through struggling with your sin. You will stand before him in perfect holiness. You will be blameless in his sight. You will be beyond reproach. We're going to stand before God without any smear on us. Someday you'll be exactly what God wants you to be. And that's the purpose of it. He has done this to make you holy. He has chosen you before the foundation of the world to present you holy to himself. That's the purpose of all this. Now, does that mean that you can live like a rebel now and that, you know, as soon as you die, you're going to be like Christ? So why bother in the disciplines of the Christian life now? Well, we move to the final part, and that is not only the provision, the participants, the purpose, but also what is the proof of reconciliation? How do you know if you have a relationship with him? How do you know if you've been brought into a reconciled relationship, if things have been changed between you and God? Notice verse 23. 
if indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you've heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. The proof that you've been reconciled to God is one word. You continue. You continue in this commitment to Christ right now. You continue in the faith. And the evidence, and this deals with assurance, the evidence that God has brought you into relationship with himself is that you continue in that relationship. And that means that you continue to have a commitment to Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that it's without struggle. It doesn't mean that there are times in your life where you have fallen into sin. We all have. But it means that you don't fall prey to every religious fad that comes your way. It means that you don't fall away from the truth doctrinally and you don't fall away from the direction of your life living out that truth. No one is saved by continuing in the faith. That's good works. But those who have been saved by the grace of God will continue in the faith. That's perseverance. You will continue. Why do we need reconciliation? At this point in the series, I'm sure that is clear to all of us. All of us were born into this world engaged in hostility of mind toward God. There is no such thing as innocence. We didn't love God. We hated Him. That's why we need reconciliation. We were at war with God. No one has loved God until God does a work in their heart and brings them to salvation. Now, I praise God that I've been reconciled to God. However, there are many who haven't And that is a sobering situation. Pastor Steve Kreloff will be with us on the next Verse by Verse program as we continue to study about our need for reconciliation. Please join us then. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.